Hello everyone, I'm Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design. For this episode, we'll be flashing back to my 2018 interview with lighting designer Nikki Green, founder of Articolo Lighting. She's branched out to the United States with a showroom in New York. Her energy is remarkable. I hope you have as much fun listening to her as I did recording. Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University. And I'm with a very interesting uh, lighting designer called Nikki Green. And she kind of represents the type of designer that I think Australians perhaps have built a reputation on um, in terms of going in and just throwing caution to the wind. Winging it. And winging <laughs> it. And you think, oh my God. Now, Welcome to the program. Thanks, Stephen. You told me a delightful story um, uh, when we spoke last about you started out uh, cooking in yes. uh, as a when William Anglis in Melbourne, That's doing right. a cooking degree, and then you went to Greece, mm -hmm. and then you had the audacity <laughs> I did <laughs> to walk into Italian Vogue and say. I kind of know what I want to do, but I don't know exactly what it's called. Tell me that story, Nikki, because I think that's incredibly brave. Well, I think it was, I think I was young and uh, I thought I had nothing to lose. So I was in Greece cooking in a restaurant. Early 20s? Early 20s. And I thought, and I loved cooking, but uh, realised I didn't want to be stuck in a restaurant at night when all my friends were out there having fun. So, but I loved putting food on a plate so it looked really beautiful. So I did decide to walk into Italian Vogue. So I was in Milan and I've walked on in and I said, look, I know what I want to do. I think I'm great at making food look terrific on a plate, but I don't know what it's called. And she looked at me with raised eyebrows and said, well, that would be a food stylist. And I said, well, that's what I want to do. And she said, well, that's excellent. So, and I said, well, uh, what about if you employ me for three months and I'll work for free? And if I'm any good, then that employment continues and you pay me. And if I'm no good, I will leave. And so she sent me to Paris. I worked for three months and I got the job, which was terrific. And that was the start of everything. And that was a magazine called Votre Beauté. Votre Beauté. Uh, your beauty. Yes. And it had interiors, beauty, food. So it was sort of like a lifestyle publication in those days. So incredible gall. Terrible, really. Because really, you had no experience. <laughs> no. I, mean, I was Nikki just, Green, just young... Australian, really. Do you think you could do that now, Nikki? Or would you do that now? Would you have the audacity to... Well, I think I, I did it in a charming way. Um, I don't have tickets on myself at all. And I just sort of thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? They can say, no. And I thought, well, that's all right. And then... If I'm offering myself up for nothing to work for free, doing all the dog's body work, I've got that. I've got nothing to lose. They've got nothing to lose. So, yeah. Uh, Nikki, then you came to, back to Melbourne mm -hmm. and you became Melbourne editor for uh, Vogue Ent Travel Entertainment. Correct. Travel and Entertainment. Yes. Uh, so it must have been, you know, a natural progression from where you were. Yes, it was. And then I started designing my own props for those shoots. That's sort of where it all really began because I couldn't find the things I was looking for. And so from there, I ended up getting a job with, it was the Etihad Stadium or Spotless Etihad Stadium. 
And I did all of the design for product for the Medallion Club and the corporate suites. They were looking at that time for not necessarily an, an art architect interior designer. They were really looking for someone that was coming from a stylist's perspective to create like a restaurant feel in a sports stadium mm -hmm. that could literally turn huge covers in a 20 minute break. So that mm. was fantastic. So I did everything from redesigning chafing dishes, crockery, cutlery, glassware, vases, little table lights, and then moved across to Country Road. Where you started designing... Hard goods. Hard goods or homewares. Homewares. So mm. it would have been uh, everything from candles on the table through to crockery. Crockery, cutlery. Glass. Glassware, vases, anything decorative, anything that was hard, not textile. And how, do you, how did you kind of learn that job? I think I talked my way into it again. <laughs> you said, I know what I want. Want? <laughs> yes, give me a go. <laughs> Hopefully this time they didn't say, uh, we'll give you three months That's right. without pay. <laughs> no. Um, and then you started, you jumped in and you started a a glassware company. Glassware company, International Abode. It was bribe, bribe, bribe International. Bribe International. So what we did was at that time, I'd been at Country Road for quite some time, and I realised that there was a gap in the market for no one was doing coloured Scandinavian-style drinkware. Everyone was still doing sort of clear uh, drinkware. I know you're not great on dates, Nikki, but when would you Terribly say? Terribly bad. Early noughties or late nineties? About, yes, I'm, about then. About then. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so we we started and we designed um, a couple of collections. Who's we? So Vic Cavills, who's my business partner, designed, and he's ex Accenture, so he's a very smart man. Um, you know, he's sort of been behind a lot of big companies and restructures and so forth, and he had retired. Um, so we sort of started with Gusto in Melbourne and put together this beautiful fair stand and you know presented to the Australian market and actually really didn't sell very much at all. It was terrible. You were telling me um, that you, you happened to land a stand next to a stand selling football... Uh, football jumpers and monster masks. <laughs> so that was <laughs> terrific for a really beautiful clean Scandinavian, white, gorgeous stand. So I sort of had my tail between my legs and I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I made a phone call to Conran and Selfridges. In London. In London and asked for the name of the buyers and sent them an email. And overnight, they emailed back with orders. And I couldn't understand. Just on the basis of an image. Just on the basis of an image. So I phoned them up and I said... I can't understand it. You've ordered. I don't understand why. And they said, well, that's an odd question. And I explained the situation. And they said, listen, what you're doing is right for us right now. So we must, they must have been ahead of Australia at that time. So we went to Frankfurt and exhibited there. And in the end, we built a fantastic and you know, large glassware company, which was great. And at one point, Nikki, you told me that you're one of the largest, if not the largest, supply coloured, of coloured glass in Europe. Coloured fashion glassware, which was a fantastic business until the GFC. And then that changed the whole business model, which was high volume, low margin. 
Um, and so again, had to reinvent. Knew nothing about lighting at all. I haven't actually introduced your firm. Your no. <laughs> so people say, who's the, what's the firm? It's Articola. Articola Lighting. Yes. Yeah. So you knew nothing about lighting. So I knew nothing about lighting at all. But I realised again that there, a lot of the specifiers in Australia at that time were specifying overseas lighting brands from America and the UK. And Italy, probably. And Italy, yes. And I just felt, again, that there was a gap. And had I known what I was about to get myself into, I probably never would have done it. It was, it has been the most difficult thing I've ever done. But it's also been the most rewarding outside of having my son. But... So I designed a light that had one vessel inside the other, made a table lamp, took it back to Paris on the glassware stand at the Maison Objet Fair, put it in the corner and thought, well, I'll just see if anyone responds to it. I hadn't priced it. I hadn't certified it. I knew nothing about anything. It just looked beautiful. And different types of glass, different coloured glass, so or the same type of glass? It was mouth-blown glass, so there was one vessel inside the other, and I actually had it at that time in smoke and smoke, and in colours, and with a steel stand. So it's sitting over there in the corner, and I noticed that, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name properly, but Christian Liagra was looking at it, and he is my complete and utter design hero, apart from Vincent van Dyson, so they're my heroes and he showed interest in the light and wanted to include it in his collection it was one of those moments where you sit there and make the decision do we leap in we hadn't started anything or do we actually back ourselves and because he was interested it gave us the fortitude and confidence to back ourselves in so we said no which is hard very hard came back to australia and went through the process of certification and trying to understand lighting and uh, the best sort of light output and engaged a bunch of different consultants who are extremely talented to help us with the um, electrical side of it and found that it's extremely difficult and suddenly you have to go through tilt tests and also you can't just design something beautiful it has to be sturdy and it has to be able to and each country is different in terms of the electrical requirements so it's not just one light for one country. That's right. Well, rest of world outside of the US, there are some similarities outside of China, but the US is extremely difficult. So we started to uh, gather some momentum. We got our first break with Batesmart, who a fantastic architecture firm here in Melbourne. And they just came across your lights by wandering past your little shop in South Yarra. Was that right? I think they found us with yellow on yellow trace. I think that's how it happened. Um, so we bowled on in with our one light, and uh, they were impressed. And we got our first gig with them at uh, the Winners Bar out at Flemington Racecourse VRC, and that was sort of the start of them going into Crown Casino and Sky City Casino and doing high-end residential and so it sort of gathered momentum and snowballed which was really humbling and great. So we started to get inquiries out of the US and we thought well do we go and launch into UK Europe which is easier or do we launch 
into US. And we decided to take the harder route um, because if we could do that, then we could probably do anything. Mm. And it was about two, two and a half years in the making because uh, their regulations are extremely strict, completely different. Um, their listings are completely different. We had to find factories over there and so forth. And uh, so we went to New York in May and showed and launched uh, there. And it's just been which fabulous. Which was the main uh, design that you launched in New York? Well, the funny thing was... Um, our fizzy balls are probably our hero and Lumi. Describe the fizzy ball because people can't actually see it. It's, Imagine it. It was inspired by your grandmother's, grandmother's paperweight. paperweight. So it's a it's very very thick luxe um, heavy ball and with little bubbles in it. With yeah bubbles suspended within this thick surface of clear glass, and it was difficult to do because it's easy to make a solid ball with suspended bubbles but to make a solid or make a ball with thick glass suspended bubbles and then an internal cavity is extremely hard so when it's lit it just throws the most beautiful patterns and striations so the funny thing was we thought well that's our hero so we put that on the outside of the stand and just prior to going to or you know yeah, basically just prior to going to the US, I thought, I think I need another light. So we had about oh, 14 collections we were showing. So I quickly threw together another light called the Float Wall Sconce. And it's got a green, emerald green shade that we call Drunken Emerald. So it's a little mm -hmm. bit of fun. Anyway, I finished and I thought, oh, I think I like this. I'm not quite sure. So I stuck it around the corner near the fire escape, so far away from anyone to be able to even see it because I wasn't certain that I was mm. all over it. Anyway, it ended up winning um, your know, best product in show and uh, got heralded by all of the magazines and um, design blogs, which was quite extraordinary because I'd pretty much hidden it. Mm. So it was so out of sight for everybody and it wasn't and, the one I thought. And a lot of your lights now, apart from ending up in, you know, high-end homes across the world, also, in, you know, I'm not a celebrity person in the slides, but, you know, pretty impressive list of celebs yeah. who are now using your yes, lights. Yes, it's true. It's um, great. So that's exciting. It is exciting. It's Again, it's humbling because, you know, we really just sort of a... Well, we, are, we know what we're doing and we're very, very passionate about it. But you know, we haven't come from a lighting background and maybe that's Is that, do you think, the advantage? Difference. I think so, because we're not limited in our thinking. And we love the sense of shadow play. So we like the idea of every one of our lights creating movement and mood so that you feel cocooned from all the stresses of the outside world when you come home. Now, Nikki, you've just opened a new showroom, an Articolo mm. showroom in Richmond, which is pretty amazing, Thank designed you. by... Uh, David Goss, Studio Goss. Da Studio Goss. Incredible. And it's an interesting idea, again, a bit uh, like going against the grain mm. and not opening on a major highway mm. with bling in mm. your face. You Basically, it's like entering a home mm. and it's off the beaten track. Yes. It's in Willis Street in right, Richmond. Uh, Richmond. And it is that sense of discovery. It's very European model. That's so it. that's a risk as well. Because most people say, well, look, Nikki, that's 
just off the beaten track, how are we going to find you? And we don't have a million lights hanging. So no, it's, it's very Spartan. Of, it is. The idea was um, that I was, I went to Italy and I saw a lot of their different showrooms. Not so much lighting, but you're right across from furniture to fashion. And I think our lights are very timeless and they are, um, they're little pieces of wall and ceiling sculpture, I guess. So I wanted to create a space that had a European um, sensibility uh, that wasn't like a traditional lighting showroom that was just full of lights, such that you can sit down, understand uh, the client's brief and what they're trying to create in their home, whether it's the specifier or the client themselves. And then you actually bring lights out and you build all the different finishes. So it's almost like couture, even though it's it not at the couture end. You it's know, like it's an atelier. A, it's like an atelier where yeah. you actually work with the designer and mm. kind of fine-tune things. And probably, you know, if you look at lighting showrooms now, they are, I mean, not, I mean, the, the mainstream ones, mm. it's pretty overwhelming, even if you wanted one of those lights. Yes, that's right. To actually make a selection, yes. it's kind of confusing. It is, that's exactly What do you right. look for in a light? What to you is, is something that, yes, it's successful, even if it mightn't be aesthetically what you originally planned on? What what do you see as the the key? Um, I, th I like it. Uh, I like to come from a perspective that... Uh, I don't sit down to design a light. I'll come up with a feel. So it might be a sculptural element and then I'll add the glass or I'll add the porcelain or I'll add uh, the metal finishes. So it needs to be timeless. It needs to be something that you can always live with, but it has to have a sense of sophistication and it needs to be quiet as well. So, but it has to have the sophistication such that you come in and there's shadow play and there's just luxe beauty, but it's understated rather than in your face. Do you think that's one of the reasons you've been popular with architects and designers is that your work doesn't dominate a space? I think so. But it is quiet. It is. Yeah. I mean, it does say something, but it's a quiet statement. It's not hitting you in the face as soon as you walk in. That's true. And we, I think it's also that we use serious metals. So we use steel and we use brass. So we don't cut corners using aluminiums and lightweight materials. So, and it's the engineering is just superb, but it looks simple, but it's not until you take it apart that you recognise the detail that's actually intrinsic in that light. Nikki, do you stand back now and say, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit gobsmacked by it all, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I hope it continues. And you well, you do a series of collections each year. Mm. So that's... I've got about six to eight new collections that I need to push out by May uh, in time for the New York um, Fair again which we're going back to, and then we'll be going to London uh, in September. So there's a lot of... And each light takes such a long time to design. I mean, sometimes you can get it right just immediately, but on the whole, it there's a lot of iterations and, you know, time yeah. that goes into it. I think it's just... Look, it's an, you're an interesting story. I think... <laughs> um, 
I think what inspires me... Brazen. Oh, well, brazen, but I think it, it reminds me of a time in the 80s, probably before you were even, you know, walking into... Oh, uh, Vogue, I but, wish. <laughs> but um, in the 90s, where you could just actually, um, I think, just take a risk. And I think some of the best design that Australia produces is actually through just having a go. And is it is it just... It's a different area now, I think, Thank to you. actually have the the audacity to walk into anywhere and just say, here I am. I think it's being passionate. I really, I've always been passionate about what I do and what I'm interested in. And I think if you're passionate, you'll usually end up being good at it because you won't mind investing the hours. And, and as long as you don't have ego either, so that you're quite happy to fall from grace, try your best not to, but um, I don't sort of get led by any of that I just love what I do mm. and I sit there till late at night with my lights going and my music and I'll rock around the mm. you know the studio by myself <laughs> designing and drawing and tapping away on the computer it's great look my only concern Nikki is that there'll be a long queue at Italian Vogue <laughs> Looking for young enthusiasts who want to be food stylists. I and think so. they'll go, well, we heard Nikki did it. So we're, we're here. So give us a go. Nikki, it's been an absolute joy having you on this program. It's and been a total I hope, pleasure. Thank I you. I hope people get inspired by you because you've inspired me. Oh, and thank I think you. you really are a one off. And I hope <laughs> you just continue taking risks and, and really bringing joy to people's homes. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. Um, you've been listening to Nikki Green. At Director of Articolo Lighting in Richmond, Melbourne, and you've been listening to Stephen Crafty talking design. Thanks so much for listening.